Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. Richard Serrett filling in for George Norrie and coming to you from Coast's Toronto, Canada affiliate In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. Jonathan Royal is here. He's featured in a new feature-length documentary, Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis. What's the difference, Jonathan, between hypnosis and mind control? Okay, well, we're leading into that. I mean, before the break, I explained what happens with stage hypnosis. Um, the, the other side that people generally see, and obviously the mind control side, more kind of hidden, is hypnotherapy, helping people stop smoking, lose weight, overcome phobias, uh, anxiety, you name it. There's a, there's a whole many things. Like you said, it's even being used in hospitals now to help, um, you know, cancer patients to deal with pain and a whole, a whole bunch of things. And what is really going on is, again, to tie me what I said about I don't believe hypnosis exists in the manner that a lot of people make it out to be, or the way it's been misunderstood over the years, that deep down it is just emotional manipulation well how does that apply then to someone who's addicted to something getting off it or somebody who's currently scared of say spiders or flying or heights suddenly finding that they can go up in a lift or hold a spider or stuff well the truth is that we have a part of the brain called the critical faculty the analytical area or as i like to think of it it's a bit like a uh, a security man, a nightclub bouncer, um, stopping, trying to stop the nasty stuff coming in and making sure that the good stuff stays inside. Unfortunately, if you know how to push the right emotional buttons, you can distract that uh, nightclub bouncer and thus it lets good stuff get out that was supposed to stay there or bad stuff get in without being noticed, which is what causes the problems. After that, if you, through the manipulation buttons we mentioned before, if you can um, manipulate a person's environment so they do not feel fully loved, wanted, needed, appreciated, cared for, cherished or valued, so that it has a knock-on effect on their self-confidence, self-image, self-esteem or self-control, that ultimately their sense of self-worth or self-love uh, is affected so there's that element within themselves where they feel something's not quite right, something's missing, they're searching for more. You know, you hear people who turn to religion maybe, you say, oh, I felt a hole there and now it feels full. Or people who suddenly start becoming gym junkies say, I felt there was something missing. But now if people are always searching for something. And that is a state of confusion and disorientation. And those things can lead to habits, addictions, fears, phobias, manifest in negative ways. And as a hypnotherapist, all I really believe I ever do, and a lot of hypnotherapists in the world will really hate me for saying this because it sounds like I'm putting down myself and everyone in the hypnotherapy industry, is that we provide a safe environment uh, where somebody can feel safe to emotionally be manipulated with positive intent to help them get back to normal. And by that I mean that when somebody's in that confused state and it's had the knock-on effect that I spoke about before, 
But deep down, the person will have reached a point where they know, you know what, it's not rational being scared of spiders anymore. And if I stop being scared of spiders, uh, it stop upsetting my daughter or my wife or, you know, it's, or it could be, you know, if I stop being scared of flying, I could get that job promotion. That means I've got to go overseas. Inwardly, there's a state of turmoil that's built up and the person knows that if they were to just be able to change like that, snap of the fingers, change, their life could improve in so many ways. But they know that if they suddenly woke up in the morning and did that of their own accord, which they are fully capable of, but that if they did, they could walk out into the wide world the next day and have chosen to no longer be scared of going in lifts or to no longer smoke another cigarette or, or whatever it may be. But they know that people around them, their family, friends, people who knew them when they did have that issue, would end up saying, hey, Dave, uh, I notice you've not smoked at all today. What's that all about? And Dave then would be forced to say, well, I decided enough, enough. So I got up today and I decided I'm not smoking anymore. And what would happen is uh, at least a certain percentage of the family and friends would say, seriously, simple as that. Well, if it's that simple, Dave, why didn't you do it before, you silly fool, rather than wasting all that money and, you know, harming your health? And Dave would end up feeling bad because he'd feel he was getting attacked and told he was stupid and nobody wants to feel bad. So that would lead to what people perceive to be relapse because the person's critical faculty will go to them, look, you can feel safe, you don't have to feel daft. And the easiest way to stop these people from criticising you for uh, not having done this sooner is to prove to them it wasn't that easy and thus people relapse and go back to the problem. Whereas, if they hear a story of someone having gone to see a, a hypnotherapist like myself, um, who's had successful results, and they, that obviously builds a sense of credibility, but more importantly, they go along, they pay a sum of money for the person's time, uh, which is fair enough, you know, everyone's got a living to earn, the hypnotherapist goes through an important seeming ritualistic process. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't have any value at all, that process. It really it can do. Uh, positive visualizations and exercises can be beneficial. But what's more important is they provide a safe environment where that individual can go. And at the end of that important seeming ritualistic process, it's kind of like the credibility factor, the authority figure, the hypnotherapist, um, has given them permission to change, a reason to change, and an environment where they feel safe to make that change that they could have always done themselves, but in a way where they get a sort of psychological protective suit of armor, because when they leave that therapist office, when they bump into the family and friends who say, hey Dave, I notice you're not smoking like you used to, Dave can go, no, I decided enough was enough. But if people say, well, why didn't you do that sooner then? They don't feel attacked, because they've got the perfect security blanket of saying, oh, I have tried in the past, but it's incredibly difficult. But then I heard about this therapist, and I went to see them. And that removes from them all self-blame, shame, guilt, and regret for not 
having got off their backside, the fanny, as they say in America, not got, you know, not having taken action themselves and done it sooner. They can't get blamed for it. Right, right. Suddenly, so, you know, understood. But when we're talking about, uh, I mentioned earlier about a, a television and you know the mm. flicker, the flicker-induced hypnotic state. Is that real? Of course it is. I mean, television sets, if we mentioned this in the uh, documentary, Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis. I can't remember the patent number off the top of my head, but it is, uh, it is given out in the uh, documentary. There, there is actually a patent on uh, the flickering um, rhythm uh, in a television set for inducing the theta state of mind, which is hypnosis that makes you more suggestible, which is why it's no coincidence that shows on television are called programs. And this is where we lead into mind control, because every area of our life is structured um, to manipulate and, and control us. So you mentioned television. Television shows are, are made... Uh, apparently just to entertain, and so they've got an excuse for adverts in the breaks. But it's also, you know, television shows only get on television if the television companies and stations authorise them or commission them. And they can demand that scripts are rewritten. This happens with films as well. Perhaps a better example is films, uh, in so much as, let's say, the Transformers films as an example. Within them, there's a lot of military vehicles. Now, either the film companies have to try and hire look-alike military vehicles, or they, which cost an obscene amount of money, or they have to go to the military and go, we want to hire these vehicles. And it will either cost them massively huge amounts of money, or they'll get told no, or it can be incredibly affordable for them, uh, but the military will demand to look at the scripts and sometimes demand rewrites to ensure that the military are portrayed in a manner that makes them look good. So that on a subliminal level, children watching that film think and get an association, an emotional connection, that the military is something cool and good. So that they grow up with that idea that it would be cool to serve uh, for the country and protect the country. So that they then end up getting a constant stream of recruits who are willing to go and ultimately put their life at risk for no good reason whatsoever. If you look deeply at every war there's been or conflict in the world, when you get down to brass tacks, not the, not the narrative that the media want you to believe that are also controlled by the powers that be, but the real truth is that people are assenting wars are manufactured so that pretty much every war you look at, uh, America and England have funded uh, both sides of the war, ironically, and quite often have supplied weapons to both sides, uh, which is the scary, sad truth uh, of it. And we cover that more in the documentary as well. It's, it's, all of these things are done to control quite often. Oil is the motive with wars. Sometimes, uh, and in more recent years, the motive with uh, things, it's uh, a program they call Social Turbulence. Um, we go into this in the film, and my colleague, uh, Neil Saunders, uh, who's also um, a hypnotherapist, 
explains this as well. And it's the idea that if you can have people living in a state of confusion, uh, a disorientated state, and throw in elements of psychological fear, that this will stop them from seeing the bigger picture. This will stop them from achieving their own full potential. This will stop them from rebelling against uh, more and more controls being put in place, more and more freedoms being taken away from them, because they'll be so stuck in that freeze section. You've got fight and flight, okay? But in the middle, there's freeze, this state of, what What should I do? Shall, shall I run away? Or, shall, or, you know, fight back? Or, 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 and, and, and while they're so confused and disorientated and frozen, it means that they can get away with bringing in more and more laws, taking away more and more of people's freedoms. Right. And while people are in that scared state after, say, a, a terrorist attack, you know, people will go, please protect me, protect me. And that's what it's about. If they create an environment... Right, like mass trauma. It's mass trauma. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, it's somewhat related to the MK Ultra program, uh, where there it, would be from that. a ritualistic abuse combined with drugs and hypnosis. Yeah. What kind of hypnosis were they using in, in MK Ultra? For example, we hear mind control survivors talk about certain... Uh, triggering events or or yeah. thing, uh, the Wizard of Oz uh, often comes up, and I don't know what the connection is. Uh, well, the Wizard of Oz comes up. Um, um, Alice through the Looking Glass, Alice in Wonderland. They're kids' stories because, generally speaking, the 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 the, the sexual uh, abuse. Monarch Mind Control Program is the kind of stuff to, if you want to search, if people want to search Google after the event and look into this more. Although we do cover it in the film and also in my book of the same name. Um, the Monarch Mind Control Program was sexually abusing and causing severe physical and emotional pain, so trauma on all levels to the point where your brain, the critical faculty that's trying to protect you will kick in and then kind of file it in a filing cabinet, all these bad emotional memories of what's just taken place to protect you. It's called repression. It will repress that and kind of, uh, it will splinter off uh, part of the brain to become like, think of it like a, a filing cabinet in an office. That's one drawer. Right, dissociative disorder. Yeah, yeah. In, 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 in psychiatry, they'll call it, yeah, personality, uh, disassociative personality or multiple identities or, or whatnot. But ultimately, it's trauma that splits up. And they can do this to anchor it with playing bits of music or having keywords or key phrases that quite often, because this is done, it's easiest done from an early age when people are uh, kids from zero to seven. Uh, the formative years um, will be from fairy tales, uh, things like The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland. It's perverse and sick when you look at it, um, but it's almost as though the, the people who were doing this get some kind of perverse pleasure from making those um, connections with some seemingly innocent childhood fairy tale, whereas in truth it's being conditioned that when those things are brought up, it, it kind of says, 
it's time for that filing cabinet drawer to open. And it put, forces it open because of a severe link and out comes that element uh, or, or, you know, people might say that different personality, but it's that element. And that, sadly, well, yeah, sadly, but fortunately, it's a two-sided coin. Sadly, it should never have happened in the first place, but many years down the line, it breaks apart. And we see people like, there's rumours that, uh, for example, Britney Spears, when she suddenly lost it and shaved all her hair off and, um, and, you know, it was all over the media that she'd gone a bit right. crazy, apparently. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.